for listening to FYI Stillwater, where you will hear information about your local government you didn't know you need to know straight from the source. Be sure to check out other news and information from the City of Stillwater at stillwater.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher, Director of Marketing and Civic Engagement. Today, my co-host is Elisa Hines, Multimedia Specialist. So we've got two guests here today, Elisa, a little bit different setup. Uh, What are we talking about? Well, Sherry, today we are going to be talking about traffic lights. So uh, there's a lot going on there and everybody's got an opinion. My husband this morning talked about, you know, you need to back the car up a little bit and then pull back up to make that signal to switch it on and off, you know, to make it know we're here. And so he was like giving me instructions and I'm like, I don't know if that's actually true or not. I'm going to ask Tully today. So that's, so I have an agenda today. So anyway, Okay, Sherry, today's guests are Tully McCrory, Control Signal Technician, and Mark White, Public Works Director. Here's some basic facts. We have 67 signalized intersections, which include traffic signals for all approach lanes and turn lanes. We have over 8,000 traffic signs, including stop signs, speed limits, street names, and advisory signs. That's a lot of uh, statistics on signage and signals. And so anyway, a lot to talk about. Well, let's uh, welcome Tully and Mark to FYI Stillwater. Mark, uh, you're a returning guest. Yes. And we talked about public works the last time you were here. So uh, you are Tully's boss. Welcome, Tully. This is your first time to FYI Stillwater. Hello. Hi. Okay. Um, You know... I could tell both of you weren't quite ready to get started. So to warm up, we are going to do a lightning round, and we're going to ask you a random but revealing question. Are you ready? I think so. Okay, Tully. Tully. did not answer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very ready. (laughs) Tully, this one's for you. What was the most memorable gift you've ever received? Actually, it's been a – when I was younger, it's been a few motorcycles – over my lifetime, when I was younger, my parents always got me one every so often. So, ah, oh, that's, that's nice. It's been really nice. Started yeah. my whole motorcycle career. So, so, <laughs> so you have so that's just something you do like on the weekends and like you're into motorcycles. Yes. So, um, so what do you ride right now? Oh, uh, right now I'm in between bikes. In between, you need a gift. <laughs> yeah, you need a gift. All you right. You know that's one thing Tully and I have in common. Oh yeah. My last motorcycle was a gift from my parents. Ah, so <laughs> yeah. do you ride now? Yeah, it's you a do. 2014 Harley Davidson Lowrider. And that's, did your parents give that to you? They gave that to Man, me. Man, your parents are just rocking, huh? <laughs> They're not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very nice gift. And Tully, yeah. if you're looking for a motorcycle, mm-hmm. I got two for sale. There you go. There yeah. you go. You need we'll to, talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Mark, what's the most embarrassing fashion trim you've ever had to rock? Oh, I was a mullet guy. <gasps> oh. Yeah. I can Those. see it. I can <laughs> actually <laughs> see that. Yeah. We both shared that problem you, back in the day. Yeah. I had one myself. Bus- <laughs> a lot of hair. Business in the front, That's party right. in the back. There's a lot of party back yeah. there. Okay, I think we've all told our age now. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That is so funny. Um, I think the mullet's coming back. I think yeah, it's I think it's coming back. Mm. I don't so, think so. Would it you should. would you do yeah. that? Would you yeah. do that again? Well, I tried once or twice, and 
<laughs> so if you so, yeah, so if you get a motorcycle, would that, that mean the mullet? I don't know. Right. <laughs> that, I don't I, think they belong to motorcycles. So Some people think they do, but I don't think so. Would yeah. your wife, so that would be that like tangles. Yeah. You just have to worry about that. Yeah. So which would your wife prefer to have, the mullet or the motorcycle? <laughs> Pretty sure the motorcycle. The mo- <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, let's start talking about traffic signals. Now, Everybody comes up to a turn lane or, or a stop sign. I mean, uh, the, the light's right there. And people have theories that, you know, um, that the light just going to automatically change, you know, or there's a time limit or it's the weight of the car on the, the road. What Something's going to trigger it or they're not going to let Elisa go through on the turn <laughs> lane for whatever reason. But there's all these thoughts and, and stuff going on. Only two cars get to go through. So what's the truth? What is going on with uh, track signals? What, what do we need to know? Yeah, there's also the theory that you can flash your lights, too. Oh, that I that had... will change it. That's, oh, that's also a myth. That's a myth. <laughs> that, that does one. not work. That does not Yeah. yeah. Okay, but you're signaling I'm about to go through anyway. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, so, so, what, so tell us about the traffic signals and how they work here in Stillwater. What well, do we need to know? Pretty much when you pull up to an intersection, there's a couple of different ways our controller box is going to get your, to, well, to know that your car's there. And there's one called the loop, which is cut into the concrete, and it works off a magnetic field. So it'll pick up the metal of your car, and it says, okay, there's a car there. So, so do you have to be inside, completely inside? Because when you pull up, you can see where it's been cut into mm-hmm. the road. So I need to be completely inside there? Well, you need to be all the way up to the stop bar. Okay, we, up to the stop bar. They're pretty much cut to where if you go up to the stop bar and stop, which is the white line across all of the lanes, which most people don't know that because I've called a few. Well, people, people have called in, and... I've got on my cameras and looked and actually open. told them to pull up a little bit further and it'll trigger for you. Yeah. Okay. So, and then the other type we have is a video camera. Because you can see those up on the yeah. uh, the traffic signal. Uh, I don't know what that's called, the bar, the thing up there. You the think there, it's up there mm-hmm. to see if there's an accident or something, but it's really for the, the traffic signal. Correct. Okay, so what does we, it do? We actually have two different type of cameras. We have one that I can watch traffic flow with, and then the other would be the uh, for the loop to de- for video detection for the to pick up the cars. And they're just a longer c- c- cylinder type one, sort of out in the middle, pretty much. So it's not measuring my rate of speed. No. Okay, good. Mm-mm. I have other things stuff you worry about. <laughs> things I worry about. You betcha. He leaves that to the Stillwater PD. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so my husband would he be right if he said you need to move the car um, because the light's not changing fast enough? Like no, that's okay. Another myth. Pretty much when you pull up to the stop bar, our equipment and everything sees mm-hmm. that there is a vehicle there. Okay. So backing up and moving forward doesn't change doesn't anything change that. unless you go back. 40 feet, then it'll drop the call, and then you pull back uh, up, and then it'll okay. pick it up again. But, now, but then you're worried about backing into somebody, so yeah. you really shouldn't do that. But if So that one, you don't need to be up at the stop bar because it's not measuring that. It's a video, no. So it's either a video or the stop bar. No, everything is based off the stop bar. Okay, everything, everything is. Everything is cut. Even when we cut it in like the video, we uh-huh. actually draw a, a square box in the video up to the stop bar. Oh, okay. So it looks just like the ones on the ground, but it's during 
using okay. video. So you've said a couple of times you can see. So where are you to see and what are you seeing? I'm actually in my office, the Traffic Control Center, and that's where we have all our feeds for every signal that we have. You I'm have able... 67 cameras out there? No, we, oh. uh, we only have about, well... 14 cameras okay. that I can actually visually see okay. the uh, traffic flow with. They don't record or anything like that. It's just for You're me just to a live visualize what's going on out there in, there in the field. Okay, so you can look up and say, oh, there's 14 cars lined up here. What's going on? Mm-hmm. I actually have another software. It's called Bluetooth, and it works off everyone's Bluetooth. So I can basically know the speeds around town. It, it can't... Uh, it can't really locate somebody or know who they are, but it's showing the traffic flow that they're, and I can see the speeds. So if I see a red on my screen, then I'll go to that video camera that's close to it and look and see if I can help out. I can hold the intersection green or I can change it green to make it flow better. You have power. He mm-hmm. he can watch, uh, so game day traffic, uh-huh. he'll watch that from his office mm-hmm. as people are coming into Stillwater and kind of assist with the the most efficient flow to to yeah. to keep the traffic moving keep that corridor yeah. moving. Yeah. We have about fourteen signals on game day where I do an inflow, which I bring people into Stillwater, uh-huh. and then I turn all that around and do an outflow on those same ones. So. Wow, that is really interesting. Um, That's really helpful too. I mean, because I know I've I have said at stop signs for game day, wishing <laughs> I was at a stop light. So to know that. You can actually move the traffic through, like, y- you can keep it green a little bit longer. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, basically I had a whole lot of more time for everybody to get out of town instead of them coming in. I take away time for people coming into town when they're trying to get out and vice versa. On the- so, um, so it's kind of a little bit of an art as much as it is a science of, of running the lights and things So because you're adjusting... Uh, the lights to fit the needs of the the particular event because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of people coming in town and leaving town on those game days. Uh, so what would a regular day be like? So uh, do you watch intersections at that time? Yeah, occasionally when I'm in my office, I yeah. uh, can, everything's. I have uh, yeah, I have 16 sc- computer screens, okay. four that are 70 inch. <clears throat> that are mounted on a wall, which has a map of the whole city, and it shows every signal in the city on it. So I can actually see at a glance of what each signal's doing, whether it's green or red in each direction. And then all my other screens, I have the cameras and I have other software on them to where I can look at everything at a glance. So when people, because uh, we see on Facebook a lot of times where people are like, oh, you don't have the timing right. You know, it's like, what, what's with the timing? I'll so, give you a good example yeah. of that. Today uh-huh. at lunch, I'm at the intersection of Hall of Fame and Perkins Road, turning left. Two cars got through the light. Actually, a third one did get through, but they ran a red light. So what's up with, you know, it's lunchtime. What's up with just getting a few people around the corner? Mm, that's got to, if you sit and watch signals like I do, pretty much the first person always loses about four seconds for everybody behind them because of their reaction time. So we have coordination during those times for like, uh, like a year at Perkins, all of Perkins. There's a corridor of cars that start out at 12th Street. If they go the speed limit and everything works out, nobody pushes push buttons or left turns, they should be able to get all the way out of town. 
because I've actually done it when I used to live in Ponca. I would come in in the mornings, I'd go green lights all the way to our shop over on 8th Street. So it's got to do with coordination and then how everybody reacts to make sure that everything works. But if there's one flaw, it throws a wrench in everything. Like somebody sitting there on their cell phone. Exactly. And that's one of the things, and I've noticed it many times, Tully and I have talked about it. I've been at that same light, and you have somebody that sits there. One, they're not close enough to the stop bar. They get the arrow, but then they sit, and so the arrow determines that there's no way there. Because they're not moving. Right. And so they get through, the next car gets through, and like you said, if a third gets through, it's going through on red. Um, but there's been, you know, times up at McElroy and Perkins, and I actually had totally explained this one to me. Uh, we had people turning left up there and weren't even getting the arrow. Well, they hadn't pulled up to the stop bar, so the intersection wasn't detecting westbound on McElroy, people wanting to go westbound on McElroy. So, you know, it was a matter of telling the people you got to pull up. So it actually won't trigger a turn light if it doesn't know somebody's sitting there. If it doesn't detect the vehicle, it won't. Okay. There's only certain times, uh, probably from around 11 o'clock on into the morning, where pretty much all our signals are what we call running free mode. So they'll run just enough time to whoever's there, which should change it a lot quicker. But yes, it always has to be triggered for it to. If it doesn't and they're known the stop bar, then we have a problem with one of our components. Okay, people, get off your cell phones. If you're sitting at the light, <laughs> watch the light. So Tull and Honestly. I uh, have been looking at, have been working with this company on a new app that people can use. It's not quite implemented yet, but soon you, it, you'll you be hearing about it to where you can, um, you, it's called uh, Travel Safely, and you, um, you would log into it, and your phone would be able to detect when you're coming up to a stoplight, and then it'll tell you, oh, it's about to turn green, get off your phone and, and pay attention. Uh, we have come to that as a society. It is there. Uh, so what, um, what's the benefits of having some type of an app like that? Is it needed? Uh, where are we going? In my opinion, yeah, it's needed because of the four seconds left. Because you can see it. Yes. Well, it'll actually, on your screen, tell you that the signal's fixing to turn and 30 seconds, 10 seconds. It'll give you a countdown. But also, right before it's going to turn green, it says signal fixing to turn green. So that alerts people that they're getting ready. to. Uh, they should get ready to go. And so this is a lot to do with the, the smart car stuff and yeah. everything that's coming in the future. Yeah, it's, sure. it's really changing how you drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I'm really not one to sit and look at my phone when I'm driving, mm-hmm. but I do see the people ahead of me, and I'm like, come on, get off your phone. Yeah. We need to go. <laughs> we need to go. Yeah, this is an app that totally just runs in your background, so you yeah. don't have to look at your phone or anything. Yeah, it, it'll actually give you the alerts. Yeah, see, I think that's really awesome if you're, if yeah. you're that person. And you've studied this. You, you've actually sat at lights and watched what happens. Yeah, I mean, I can sit in my office, and that's what I do. I learned it from uh, Jason Peake, our engineer, a few back, and he brought it to my attention, and he says, you can literally sit there and see it every time, and mm-hmm. you you pretty much do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You lose four seconds. Wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
And, and if you're driving across town and you've got to go through like 30 lights, maybe you go all the way through, all the way down 6th Street and all the way down Perkins, that really does add up. Uh, and if you miss yeah. a couple of lights, it takes longer to get across town than you oh, might yeah, think. Definitely. Honestly, the second stuff in our world, in the traffic world, is a lot, which it just means seconds to some people. But honestly, a second is a car to us getting through the intersection. Yeah. So let's say they, they took two seconds. Well, then you have three and four. There's two cars that should have been able to get through. And our minimum amount that we put on a left turn is 12 seconds. So honestly, at least six to ten cars wow. should get through. That's amazing when you think about it like that. So the other thing that I think is really interesting is the uh, the way that the lights interact with uh, safety vehicles, fire and police. Uh, the other day I was going down 6th Street, and I had like – four officers, two sheriffs, fire truck. I mean, there was something, something big was going on somewhere, but watching them go through really fast and how they, and they were, cha- the lights were changing for them. So how, how does that work with a preemptive uh, turning lights green, green for them? Yeah, pretty much that works. Who, who controls that? You're not the one watching it, are you? Yes. You're, you're watching that? Yes. But oh the, my. The fire... They uh, implemented that a few years ago. They were able to get some money, and it's called M-Track, uh-huh. and it works off a of GPS. They have a unit in their vehicle that has a GPS on it, of course. Well, then that unit is able to talk to their unit in our control box. So it's telling them 1,000, close to 1,500 feet ahead of time, hey, we're headed in this direction. So it tells my signals, and it'll turn green and bring up the green left turn which people are supposed to go ahead and go go through the intersection and get out of their way and get to the right, but most people don't. So therefore, it tells the next, it's still flo- going, let's say it's going north. So as it gets close to the next intersection, it'll just start changing them. And then once they turn left, the GPS knows that, hey, the fire truck just turned left, so it starts down toward the, the west. Next yeah. Wow. Uh, because they can move through town pretty fast if yeah. they get all the lights, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, they, they have priority over everything. Besides pedestrians, if there was someone to push a pedestrian button, it would have to cycle the pedestrians and then service the police officer. See, I don't think I would step out into the street if an officer was coming. Um, So, but technically the officer should stop? No, no, it's technically the pedestrian should probably get out of the way. You would think so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it's only the fire trucks. The fire trucks. The city is still warm now. Awesome. Um, so what else about traffic signals would you like to tell the public that they may not know? Other myths, other uh, <laughs> best practices? What you got for us, Tully? Hmm. I don't know off the top of my head, Mark. Uh, here's something that I find interesting is that our cameras, people think, record so that if there's an accident at an the, intersection. The camera's at, on top of the, uh, the, the on, traffic signal. On the traffic it, arm. Because it, it looks like a camera. Yep. Yeah, but they're, it's not recording. It's not recording, no. Yeah. So uh, we had a call this week from somebody who wanted to see if we could get footage from an accident at an intersection, and we would not have that because it doesn't perform that function. But some cities do they would be able to do that if that was something we wanted to fund, that they we could have cameras mm-hmm. with uh, recording devices? I think according to our tech... Guys, there's so much storage that they would have to, because we have even my uh, just my cameras that I watch, and then all the loop cameras. We're talking close to forty something cameras recording all the time, so that but would be know, a lot of. 
whenever I watch TV shows, the crime shows, there is always footage of what goes on. At the, there's always footage. So I'm just convinced somebody has footage of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's TV magic. That's Sorry. TV magic. Yeah. Okay. I all think right. you're probably right. Okay. Well, thank you guys for coming and telling us all about traffic signals. I'm going to go home and explain to my husband. I know how to handle a, cro- a stop bar now. <laughs> so uh, this is good stuff. Thank you, guys. Oh, you're Thank welcome. You. So will you come back and visit us, Tully? Sure. All right. He sounded so enthusiastic. <laughs> you will not believe how many times we had to schedule this so that Tully could uh, come and talk to us on FYI Stillwater. But thank you so much. Yes, thank no you. problem at all. Thank you all. Before we go, let's take a look at the mailbox. The city receives questions in a lot of ways, including email, social media, phone calls. So today's first question is from Randall on Facebook. What is the household hazardous waste event? And can I bring items that I can't dispose of normally? So, Elisa, how does he get rid of stuff? Good question, Randall. During this event, residents are encouraged to drop off household pollutants free of charge. And these include oil-based paints, pesticides, herbicides, household cleaning products, pool chemicals, craft and hobby supplies, mixed fuels, and fertilizer. In conjunction with this event, the Convenience Collection Center will receive a number of items, though a fee may apply for some of these services. So the ones you read off are free. Correct. So the, the event happens at the Convenience Collection Center, which is at 8th and Perkins. It's Correct. the uh, the Recycle Center, um, also called the Convenience Collection Center. So what we're asking people to do is kind of gather up this stuff throughout the year and don't put it in the uh, the trash or don't pour it down the sink. Don't do those things with it. Don't put it in it. the dump even. Yeah, yeah. Let's, and so the best way to get rid of them is to bring them to an event like this. Right. So um, And as long as it's a hazardous material they will take it and you don't have to pay a fee regular materials you do have to pay a fee to drop off yeah if it wasn't on the list you might want to call and double check before you bring it out there so there is some rules of what they're allowed to take and what they're not allowed to take but these common household uh, pollutants this is the best way to get rid of them yep all right so that was a really good question um the second question today was from an email uh, carla sent in Um, She wants to know, what roads are cleared first when it snows? Carla, that is a good question, and there is a priority. The first priority is the principal arterials, which includes clearing streets uh, with access to the Stillwater Medical Center's emergency room, fire stations, the Stillwater Regional Airport, or Stillwater Public Schools and Oklahoma State University. So you would think that the first roads would be uh, State Highway 51, 6th Avenue, or uh, Perkins Road, US 177. However, that's not true. No, it's not, because those are actually owned and taken care of and maintained by ODOT. So they're the ones that come in and clear those right. streets, not uh-huh. the city of Stillwater. So so the city will do the ones that have this public safety, uh, kind of the high-profile uh, roads. Then what? Then they have the second priority, which is um, selected minor arterials. And these are ones that are heavily traveled. Usually they're four-lane streets. 
Then the third priority is selected collector streets, and these are busy streets that collect traffic from neighborhoods and provide access to principal and minor arterials. City crews do not have the resources to clear residential streets or driveways blocked by plowed snow, so that is up to you to take care of. And then it's also up to you um, on either side of your house or the, or the sidewalk in front of your house, you are responsible for clearing that area. And businesses are responsible for clearing the sidewalks on either in front of and on either side of their buildings. Right. Uh, we've had, we did have a pretty good snow this year, so this did actually come into play. Um, and so the streets were sanded, they were prepared for it, but they, we, still have, we still had some work to do. Uh, so uh, anyway, this is on the website, and we kind of keep that up there. We actually have a map so you can really see where those collector streets are. So we're really, the city really focuses on those big major, uh, the, the, the ones that help you get across town. Those are the first ones that get cleared. Great questions. So uh, thanks, Elisa, for uh, being with me today. And thanks for listening to FYI Stillwater. If you like this episode, help us out and give us a like or share us with your friends. If you have a question for City Hall, email news at stillwater.org and in the next podcast, we'll answer a few of them. FYI Stillwater is available on our website at stillwater.org, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you enjoy your podcast.